Welcome to the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones, and I'm so excited that you're here. The Plan B CRNA podcast is the only show made specifically for nurse anesthetists who are exploring options outside of their traditional career paths. This is the place to expand your mind and your goals as we uncover new ways to produce side income together. Journey with me as I go down various rabbit holes to explore the best Plan B options for you. This episode is brought to you by OnCall Capital. OnCall Capital is dedicated to educating CRNAs and other healthcare providers about investing outside of the traditional stock market. OnCall Capital also provides opportunities for you, yes, you, to create passive income and generational wealth while also lowering your taxable income through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that right now so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today. And now on with the show. Welcome to the rabbit hole on the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones. Throughout my journey in finding a Plan B, I've gone down numerous rabbit holes to figure out which ones work for me. Since I've done some of this research already, I only think it's right to bring that information to fellow CRNAs to help aid in your search. As always, it's important for you, the listener, to do your own research and form your own opinions. Everyone's situation is unique, and a Plan B that works for one CRNA doesn't always work for another. Self-awareness is the key in any decision you make, since you must have an accurate grasp of your own strengths, weaknesses, and goals. All right, let's get to it. Without further ado, our rabbit hole is dun-dun-dun, speaking engagements. When I began my anesthesia career, I loved attending conferences. The speakers usually tended to present engaging topics, and I enjoyed the networking aspect involved. But the fees to attend were expensive, and my workplace didn't provide an educational stipend. Then I noticed that I was seeing some of the same speakers over and over again at some of my state-level conferences. While they wouldn't necessarily always talk about the same things, it became clear that these individuals had found certain niches that they felt comfortable speaking about. They each had different styles. Some were more off the cuff, while most were prepared with plenty of slides and references in their presentations. Here's what else I found out. If you were a speaker, you had a number of different perks. You could get reimbursed for your travel, some food expenses, and you received an honorarium. Plus, you can attend the conference for free on the day that you're speaking. For CRNA conferences at the time, it was about $350 for an hour-long presentation, although I'm sure that number has gone up over time. Many speakers would book two to three speaking slots per conference to make it worth their while. So let's take an example. Let's say you want to get some CEUs. You submit an application to speak at a state-level conference. You can travel to that conference, which is covered, attend the other sessions for free, grab some grub, which is also covered, and give a presentation for which you receive an honorarium. You end up with around six CEUs for the day, and, and you got paid. That's a win-win, right? Not to mention there are plenty of conferences that are in really cool places. If you want to travel the country, why wouldn't you just sign up to speak at as many conferences as you could? You'd get a ton of CEUs. You'd get to see beautiful places, and you'd get paid for it. But then why would you just stick to CRNAs? You're an anesthesia professional, after all. You could go speak at pharmacist conventions, orthopedic surgeon meetings, or dental summits. For that matter, why not go global? There are international societies for all types of healthcare professions. Plus, you can command more in the realm of $1,000 to $2,000 uh, for a talk as you get better. Man, this sounds so sweet. Okay, okay, well, let's back up the train a bit here. As with all side gigs, there are many ways to shape this idea into something that fits your particular lifestyle. 
but we should probably consider what else is involved with becoming a speaker before we start losing our minds. So let's dive a little deeper into the history of public speaking. It should be no surprise that the study of public speaking began in ancient Athens about 2,500 years ago. Men were required to give speeches as part of their civic duties, and they would meet in the marketplace and debate issues on war, economics, and politics. Kind of like Facebook, right? Exceptional speaking skills put one on a path for a prominent social life and mixing with the wealthy. Aristotle and Quintilian were among the most famous ancient scholars to provide rules and models to follow. Aristotle defined rhetoric as a means of persuasion in reference to any subject. Quintilian published a 12-volume textbook on rhetoric, many of which are still in use today. He would argue that the ideal orator is a good man speaking well. Cicero is one of the most significant rhetoricians of all time, creating the five canons of rhetoric, or persuasive speech, that are still used today to teach public speaking, invention, arrangement, style, memory, and delivery. Let's go back to Aristotle, though. He discovered that in order to rally citizens into conformity, one needed to persuade people. He called this rhetoric, and he broke it down into three strategies. Number one is ethos, when the source is credible and the speaker can show authority over the subject matter. Number two is logos, when there are facts to support the argument, thus requiring the audience to use logic and deduction to decide on the strengths of the speaker's argument. And number three is pathos, when emotion is used to appeal to the audience. Fast forward a couple thousand years, and we see that public speaking is crucial for success in many different careers and endeavors. You may have noticed in anesthesia school, but it has become increasingly difficult to avoid public speaking. We are often required to speak in public at conferences, during business meetings, teaching classes, accepting awards, and many other occasions. So what do you need to become a good public speaker? Well, you must be able to communicate well. Nobody wants a presenter who just flips through slides and stares at their feet. I suggest finding a guru to learn from. Do you know a public speaker whom you find particularly engaging? Perhaps you're a Tony Robbins fan, or you want to run through a brick wall when you hear a Martin Luther King Jr. speech. Maybe you like the faster pace of Robin Williams or the slower, more deliberate oration of Barack Obama. A speaker whom I admire recently revealed that his model was James Spader from his Boston legal days. Make sure you choose someone you admire to follow and emulate. Intentionality is a key component for any good speaker. We can all tell if someone is truly an expert in a topic or if they are bluffing. So you'd better study your topic to understand any parts you're not too familiar with. Having a vast knowledge of a topic gives you confidence and authority when you speak. You must have a reason behind your presentation. Are you trying to entertain, inspire, persuade, provoke, or simply educate? Without a clear reason to present, your audience won't have a clear reason to listen. Practice, practice, practice. I say that three times because that's how many full rehearsals you should have before speaking in front of a crowd. This establishes repetition and a certain flow. You will probably forget parts of your speech, but rehearsal helps you to know where your talk is heading so that you can quickly recover if you lose your place. You must attach emotion and perspective to the data that you are presenting or else it won't be retained. For example, I could tell you that between 2013 and 2020, the digital universe expanded from 4.4 zettabytes to 44 zettabytes. Yeah, that sounds boring. But if I told you that digital information was represented by the memory in a stack of tablets, in 2013, that stack of tablets would have stretched about two-thirds of the way to the moon. That's pretty impressive. Then by 2020, 
that stack would become the length of six and a half trips to the moon. That's even more impressive. People don't remember data unless you can attach emotion or meaning to it. Making sense of otherwise meaningless numbers through storytelling is a must-have skill. You can't always make a topic sexy, but you can make the delivery sexy. You can do this through stories and comparisons, as mentioned above, but you can also accomplish this through your speed of diction, which is speeding up or slowing down your speech, using loudness and softness and tone, or adjusting your pitch between higher and low, lower tones. I tend to think of Jim Carrey in his Ace Ventura days for this example. I know, I know, but his caricatures were a vivid example of how these changes can truly change the complexion of a speech. Plus, a little humor in a presentation never hurt anyone. Use imagery. I'm not talking about death by PowerPoint, but you can use visual media and stronger language. Well, not necessarily that strong. To create pictures in people's minds. Using quotes from famous authors and people can help with this. You'd better end strong. Finish with a line and a message that people will remember. Aside from the opening gambit, this can be the most influential part of your presentation. If you want to be impactful, use this space well. Okay, so we got in the weeds there a bit, so let's bring the tractor back around to the shed. What does it look like to get started and build a successful side gig? What does success look like, and how can you sustain it? Once upon a time, I was the District 2 Director for the NCANA. Along with the title came the responsibility of putting on a one-day meeting with a full day of speakers. And let me tell you, I had the full gamut in front of me. Some speakers would tell me exactly what they wanted to talk about, and others had a list of 50 topics to choose from. So what did I do? I put speakers out there that spoke on subjects that I wanted to learn more about. I didn't want speakers that I had seen at recent meetings that were speaking on the same old subjects. If your one subject was incredibly relevant to the time, then I went with it. If I had to look through 50 topics, my eyes glazed over by number 20. I mean, I get it. You can talk about a lot of stuff and you just want a gig. Overall, I looked for a few different things. Does the content interest me now? And I mean right now. Can this speaker make a difference in drawing a crowd? I also wanted to make sure that the speakers weren't just there to pitch a product. They could talk about a product, sure, but they could also get a booth if they just wanted to pitch something. This should tell you a couple of things. You will have to have a decent library of subjects that you can speak on that is constantly evolving. This can be overdone, though, so you should strike a balance. You will also have to move around a bit. If you live in Oklahoma and you're expecting to speak at the OANA conference every single year, I think you're in for a rude awakening. Subjects aren't the only thing that can become stale. Sometimes an audience has just heard enough from someone for a little while. No worries, though. This is when you take the opportunity to branch out a bit. Personally, I've spoken on a couple of different occasions, but I quickly realized that I wasn't good at ad-libbing, and I'm not very fast at creating presentations. Coincidentally, I'm not that fast at creating podcast content either, but perhaps all of those things will improve with practice, practice, practice. Ultimately, what are the things to take into account when pursuing this path? Number one, you need to work at your craft. Practice and intentionality are important in building your reputation. Number two, you will probably need to start small at first. Perhaps speak for free to students at a local college, depending on the topic. Develop a resume. Number three, speaking is a form of entertainment. You must weave stories and humor into your presentations to keep folks engaged and make the information stick. Number four, the average full-time public speaker makes around $51,000 per year, so this is probably not going to replace your full-time income. 
However, it can be a very nice and targeted supplement if used wisely. Number five, you will have to spend time and effort on good presentations. You should definitely add this into your calculations of return on investment. How long does it take you to create a presentation? You might want to know. Number six, many conferences are held on weekends. The more conferences you attend, the more weekends you are giving up, depending on how you view it. In conclusion, I've seen others have great success with this side gig, so it is certainly a possible fit alongside your professional career. You may not make big money, but you can at least supplement your current income or reduce continuing education expenses while providing yourself with great networking and travel opportunities. That's going to do it for this episode. For more information, check out our show notes, where I've included some articles and books on the subject. A couple of those books are The Official TED Guide to Public Speaking by Chris Anderson, and another great one is Confessions of a Public Speaker by Scott Birkin. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you found value today, make sure you hit subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. I also want to hear from you. If you have a comment, question, or rabbit hole topic that you'd like me to cover in an upcoming podcast, make sure you rate and review on our podcast player. I check those all the time and cover those questions in future episodes. If you'd like to connect with me or learn more about on-call capital, make sure to find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or visit my website at www.oncallinvestments.com. Until next time, this is Bobby Jones signing off. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and reviewed the show, I'd be honored if you took the extra time. It really helps to expand our reach and get the word out about the show. If you're a CRNA who is interested in sharing your story on our podcast, I'd love to have you. Please email me at bobby at oncallinvestments.com for more information. This episode was brought to you by On Call Capital. They are dedicated to helping providers like you develop passive income and generational wealth through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. Feel free to check out their website at www.oncallinvestments.com and subscribe to their free educational email series. You can find On Call Capital on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check out our YouTube page, where you'll find all of the show episodes along with other educational videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.